talking about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Our second scripture reading today comes from Psalm 26. Listen for the word of God. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying the sheaves. Our third scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Listen for the word of God. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave him a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. And Jesus said, Leave her alone. She, brought it, she bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. I want you to keep the two Hebrew scripture readings in mind when we talk about the gospel. The first is, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. We don't like new things. They make us uncomfortable. They make us do something that we're not used to. But God says, I am doing a new thing. And it springs forth. Second one is from the psalm. And this is after the people have returned from uh, exile in Babylon. And it's when the Lord restored our fortunes. Ah, we were like people who dream. We were like people who dream. Our mouths were open and we laughed. There were tears of joy. We were people who dream. If we are going to do a new thing and we are going to dream, what will those dreams be? Jesus comes into the, the family, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Remember Mary and Martha, the last time they were there? Jesus doesn't tour alone. He's got an entourage. Okay. He's got the 12 disciples and whoever is hanging around. So he goes into the household, and Mary, she decides she's going to hang out with Jesus. And she sits at his feet, and Martha is stuck doing all the work. And she's like, okay, I'm going to have to make the whole meal for all these people. And she goes to Jesus, 
And she says, would you tell that sister of mine to get off her tukas and come help me in the kitchen? And Jesus says, she has chosen the better portion. She has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Mary was the one that sat at Jesus' feet. She listened. She understood. She was not, in Jesus' words, she was not distracted by many things like Martha was. This is the family that Jesus returns to. And once again, Martha is in the kitchen. She's serving. And Mary comes in, and she goes and she kneels at Jesus' feet. And she takes this bottle, this ointment, this costly nard, which is worth a year's wages. So think of a laborer and what they make in a year. That's how much the ointment cost. And she put it on his feet, and she wept over his feet, and she dried his feet with her hair. Have you ever had a foot rub? I mean, Mary LaRusso talked about that. We do foot washing occasionally on, on Monday, Thursday, and, and people are always, no offense, freaked out at the idea of you touching their feet. Feet are very intimate. You think we walk on a big deal, but it's like, I don't want anybody touching my feet. So when you do something with someone's feet, that's a very intimate act. And Jesus, you can just see Jesus serenely watching as Mary, who understood in her dreams what the better portion was, washing his feet, anointing his feet, crying over the one who was going to die, and drying it with her hair. This story is also told in Luke, and it's told in a different place in the gospel, and I'm not going to read it, but I do want to tell it, because when you tell the story in one context, it means one thing, but when you tell the story in another context, it means something very, very different. And in the gospel of Luke, it happens early, and a woman of ill repute comes into a Pharisee's house, and she starts weeping all over Jesus' feet. And she puts the costly nard on his feet, and she's drying him with her hair, and she's weeping. She's weeping over Jesus' feet. And the Pharisee says, he obviously doesn't know who this woman is who's doing this, because if he did, he wouldn't let her do it. She was not Mary, Martha's sister. She was a woman that, mm, her reputation wasn't so good, and you can fill in the gaps, I'm not going to lay that out for you. But whatever you're thinking is probably right. And Jesus perceives what the Pharisee has said, who's invited him to dinner, and he says, you know, I came here and you gave me no kiss. And she has not stopped kissing my feet. You gave me no water for my feet, and she has not stopped bathing my feet with her tears. You gave me no blessing, and she has blessed me with this oil. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven because of her great love. Two different stories. It's basically the same story told in very different situations. But these two women had a dream. The one was Mary, who had seen her brother be raised by Jesus, needing to bless Jesus before the end. 
If you remember the story, Jesus dies on Friday, and Friday sundown is the Sabbath, and you can't work on Sabbath, so Jesus' body was not able to be anointed. That's why the women show up on Sunday morning on Easter with the oils and all of the herbs then. She anoints Jesus for his burial. She has a dream of being of service then in her way. The woman who, you know, she was eh, not accepted. Sherm could probably relate to that at times. He was always walked a straight and narrow, but when he walked into this church, it was like, I feel a little uncomfortable here. In the beginning, yeah, in the beginning, but that's how she felt, that's how he felt in the beginning. And this woman comes in, and Jesus allows this to happen. Has anybody ever done something that's really embarrassing socially in front of you? You know how awkward you feel? It's like, oh, my heavens. And I can just imagine him being absolutely serene. Because this woman knew that she needed a clean start. I am doing a new thing, says God. This woman needed a clean start, and she needed to do this for Jesus to get her clean start. And you could just imagine Jesus, woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has made you well. Your love is enough. Regardless of anything you've done, regardless of what people say, regardless of what people think, your faith, your love, your act of this is enough. Do we dream for ourselves and for our community to love in this profound way? Would we be willing to, be, to look like an idiot? I love that um, as good as it gets when, um, oh, who's the, you know the movie? This is, a, this is Nicholson. He wants, you know, he's married, he's, he's dating Helen Hunt, and, you know, and the boyfriend who's gay says, you know, the, the greatest thing you've got going for you is your willingness to look like an idiot. You know, to expose your soft underbelly. Your greatest thing is your ability to look like a complete fool in front of the one you love. And he does, and she responds appropriately. Are we possessed of enough dreams that we are willing to look foolish? That we are willing to say, regardless of what anybody thinks, this is what I'm doing. I'm sure when Sherm came to church, there were a lot of his friends that said, you're going where? I know you. You're going doing what on Sunday mornings? We had a... The, a, a um, at another church, a guy who ended up being moderator and head of the Board of Deacons, and he always poo-pooed church. And then, you know, he, he came and he's like, wow, this is really cool. And his friends are like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you're fooling? And, you know, Mike just said, hey, you know, come and see. If you want to know why I'm acting like a fool from what I said in the past, come and see. I found acceptance, I found grace, I found love, I have found what I have been looking for. 
Those were the things he dreamed about. And he had to look like a fool to do it. But once he did, it was like, yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm the fool. But I'm a happy fool. I'm a loved fool. And I'm a blessed fool. And I'll take that any day over being consistent and being alone. Two women, two different stories, two acts of profound love and devotion based upon dreams for themselves, for their community, and received with grace. God says, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. Look, it springs forth. And when that happens, we are like those whom God has restored our fortunes, and how can we not rejoice? Let us be a people of dreams, a people who know how to rejoice, a people of profound love and devotion. Amen.